0: Sunday i started talking about pressure of the people everybody say pressure of the people one of the things that can make you lose focus in life is pressure of the people when the people put pressure on you if you are not careful you start doing wrong things i said that everything rises and falls on leadership and that everything you do the the leader is the most important person i mean whether we like it or not if they get into your house the leader of the family is the most important person. You go into a football team, the most important person is the the manager and the captain on the playing pitch. You come to a church, the most important person there is the senior pastor or the head pastor, if it's an entire ministry, the general overseer of the ministry. Um, If you come to Ghana, the most important person is the president of the country. You go into any sector, the sector minister is the most important and crucial person. When that person is focused, everybody is blessed. If the person is distracted, everybody is in trouble. And I told us on, um, on, on, on Sunday that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When people come to church, they have a lot of hopes, they have a lot of expectations. And when the expectations are not forthcoming, their hearts become sick. When their hearts become sick, their minds are troubled. When their minds are troubled, they react to things anyhow. And so there are times people lead by just reacting to the reactions of the people. So if the people are happy, you preach a certain message. If they are not happy, you preach a certain message. Um, if, If the people react to things in a certain way, then you are forced to do things some way to make them happy. But in life we must remain focused. Can I hear somebody say an amen, amen. remain focused do what God has called you to do. don't 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 respond to, to things just because you see people are reacting in a certain way. And we quoted from the book of Hebrews we said that you should obey and submit to your leaders so that they will lead you and govern you, with with joy, because if they don't do it with joy, it is not profitable for you, okay? It is not profitable for you so that they don't do things with grief. And then I went into talking about how the people put pressure on Aaron and they said, as for this Moses, we don't know what has happened to him, so make us gods who will lead us to the promised land. And Moses made some gods, sorry, and Aaron made some gods. Moses came there, he was very angry. That day, over 3,000 people died, and so on and so forth. I only forgot to mention to you that 3,000 people died, but Aaron himself didn't die. I made the statement, but I didn't go into depth. You see, Aaron himself didn't die. He stayed alive and later on became the high priest. That is why it is dangerous to follow leaders who are misbehaving. You will die and you will see me walking about so for example, maybe you are sitting in church and then a certain pastor begins to deceive you or a certain elder begins to deceive you. These are old people in the in the kingdom who know how to repent. So before the judgment falls, they will repent now, now, now. So here is Aaron, the one who made the golden calf for them. He made the golden calf. They are worshiping the thing. They are misbehaving. Moses just came and said, who is on the Lord's side? Aaron said, "Well, Well lie, I'm not part of all this. Group. Quickly, he was on Moses' side. They said, everybody draw your sword. I won't be surprised if Aaron was carrying the longest langa langa. He said, everybody fall on your neighbor and kill them. It will not be surprising to see Aaron killing some. But you were the same person. Because he was, he was among the Levites. So... Be very, very careful when you are following somebody who is um, misbehaving against God and misbehaving in a church or in a business. You want to be very careful, like you go to your place of work. Then there is this two known deputy um, managing director. Everything, he will not agree. As soon as the manager managing director leaves, don't you see that man is cheating us? We will not agree. When you have all left and you have gone home, and he's with him in the office, then you say, ah, manager, you are good though. But you have to be careful about the driver. I don't trust him. By the time you realize the driver, you've lost your job. And this deputy MD is enjoying his life in the company. Now, so, make us gods. Today, I want to go to the next one. Make us kings. Make us kings. Make us kings. There is a man, a prophet called Samuel. The Bible said in all his ministry, not a word of his drop to the ground. In other words, everything Samuel prophesied came to pass. Everything Samuel prophesied, it came to pass. Not a word of his failed to happen. But then, the man now grew old and the Bible said it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Verse number two, keep going. And his sons and the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the son, second son was Abia. They were judges in Beersheba. Keep going. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after filthy lucre, and they took bribes and perverted judgment. Verse number four. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and they came to Samuel unto Ramah. Verse five. And they said unto him, Behold, thou art old and your sons walk not in your ways. Now, therefore, make us a king to judge us like the other nations. Let me stop there. So let's go back to the verse number one. Verse number one says now, Samuel, it came to pass that Samuel was old. Tell somebody Samuel was old. Now, every leader will grow old. Every leader, whether it's a prophet, it's a king, he's the president of a country, managing director of a company, he'll grow old. Samuel has grown old. Definitely his energy has come down. He cannot do the things he used to do all by himself. The ministry is overwhelming Samuel. Samuel needs a lot of help. The only problem about Samuel now is that Samuel went and appointed Joel and Abiyah to become judges in Israel. We don't know whether it is God who told him to do it or he himself decided to do it. But the man appointed his own children. That is one of the challenges we have in ministry sometimes. When people want to appoint their own relatives, appoint their own wives, appoint their own sons and daughters, appoint their own whatever, to take leadership in ministry when God has not even called them. I remember a time when the pastor told me, he said, look, the only associate he thinks he can get, who will be faithful, is his own son, his biological son. Because as for these other pastors, you cannot trust them. I said, well, go and ask David whether his sons like Absalom were correct. Listen, a disloyal person is disloyal, even if it's your own biological son. We know companies where children poison their fathers or mothers to die just so that they can take over a company or a business. So, the fact that the person is your biological son or daughter does not mean the person will be effective. So, Moses, sorry, um, Samuel appointed his own sons to take his place. But by the grace of God, I have some sons and... uh, if you ask them, I have never suggested to them to be preachers, but I've never suggested to one of them, um, will you want to preach? Will you want to come into the pulpit and take over from me? Or will you even want to be a pastor like me? I'm not, I'm not interested. If they tell me today they want to be pastors, I'll tell them to go and pray. I'll ask them, is it a call or invitation?" Because there is one which is not a call, there is some of it which is invitation. When God says whosoever will let him come, that is invitation. The kind of call you respond to is the one which Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach. So if God calls them, that is between they and God, but I would not intentionally take my son or my daughter and push him into this thing I'm doing. No, they- this thing is very stressful. The only thing in this world, which when you do well, people people insult you for doing it well, is pastoral ministry. Look, when a doctor does well, they praise him. Engineer, they praise him. Architect, they praise him. When a pastor does his ministry well, they say he's a juju man. Sometimes they say he's a charlatan. Sometimes they say he's arm robber. But you've not been reading some of the strange things people write especially in these days of social media. And the, and the other thing of course is that when you say somebody somebody has been called by God, the person is going to stand before God. And if you are not called to go into his presence, you can't do it. The Bible said, and this honor no man take it upon himself. No man takes this honor upon himself. Samuel went and took his children. He said they should be judges over Israel verse number two. Okay, verse three. Verse three now says the sons did not walk in his ways. Can I hear somebody say his sons did not walk in his ways? Come on, say it again. His sons did not walk in his ways. Now, the sons didn't walk in the way of their father. And that is because it's not easy. When they was sitting with Archie in a car and I told him, I said, Archie, I said, your father has lived the life of seven generations in one. That means what I should be, what I should think, what I should do. Maybe I've done what should be done in 210 years, in in 30 years. I told him, I said, you may think it's easy, but it's not. The transformation and the shift in the mind of people, the shift in their spirit, the, the, the transition between where I'm standing now where you are standing now and when I was 12 years old when I came back to Bogatanga from the south is like 210 years God has done a lot in this in, in these years and people it goes with a certain high level sacrifice high level of sac- high level sacrifice your spirit is is constantly engaged. You may not understand this statement because you are not a pastor. The problems here are so many that I have not been able to finish them to even think about tomorrow. Listen, you are a full-time job. Full-time wahala. The problems you carry are many. I will finish with them today at 1 a.m. So what you are dealing with now is a lot of ministry, and um, it has to do with a lot of sacrifice. And then look at the way I go back and forth, then Borga, then you go to Accra, then you come back, then you go here, then you come back. Your sons may not be able to walk in your ways because God has not cut them for that way. He has not packaged them for that kind of sacrifice. So his sons did not walk in his ways. They, they also didn't walk, and the Bible said they went aside after him after filthy lookup and they took bribes and perverted judgment. Now this is corruption in the church. I don't know how, why, maybe bribe, so maybe somebody comes and says, I want to see Samuel a prophecy. They say, put 50 Ghana cities down. Until you put 50 Ghana, you will see my father. So they started taking bribes. They were perverting judgment. People come with cases. They know this person is right, this person is wrong, but they will intentionally tell the one who is right, you are wrong. And they will tell the one who is wrong you are right so they were perverting judgment they couldn't walk in the ways of their father it's not easy to be a minister you can't just walk in the ways of your father it's not easy the way of ministry is is, is tough so you are looking at a life where if you are a man it means you start ministry you are married you are going to stay married for 60 years 70 years and you know in yourself the work you are doing, you can never commit adultery. Not even one day. Not even 30 minutes. Not even 30 seconds. So you are taking a lifestyle where you know adultery is no, zero. Alcohol is zero. No don't matter how people provoke you, you cannot slap them. If they slap you and you are even tick tock. You cannot reply you can't now that is the life and you can't just take your child and go and put your child in that thing if god has not called the child because the child may not be able to walk in that way you yourself you walk in that way only by grace and money will come into your hands sometimes and you cannot use the money for anything you want I remember some time ago, I was walking in London, and um, I wanted to buy a tie. And those days, the church didn't have much. So, almost everything depended on me and mommy. And I called mommy from London, Heathrow. And I said, pal, I've seen a tie. It's very nice. It's only 50 pounds. Please ask God whether I can buy this tie or not. And she said, I think you should buy it. And I said, okay. The voice of your wife is the voice of God. So, if you say then I can go ahead and buy the tie. Your son may not be able to walk in that way. I'm 20 years old. God says, look, go to Bogatanga. Stay there all your life. Don't go anywhere. 20. I'm still standing here. Nearly 40 years after hearing that voice. Your son may not be able to take it. Your daughter may not be able to take it. The person may change the voice along the line. So, you know, ministry... It's not something you can just take and then hand over to your relative. Now, so here is his sons. They did not walk in his ways, but they turned aside after filthy lookout and they took bribes and they perverted judgment. Verse number four. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and they came to Samuel on Rama. So the people were not happy. Elders, they came and they said, Behold, you are old somebody you are old come on say it child every pastor will grow old and when the pastor grow old grows old they are not saying he's a criminal they are not saying he's done something wrong they are not saying he's not prophesying right they are not saying he's not preaching right his only crime here is that he's old every pastor every man of god will be old so they said, you are old, and your sons are not working in your ways. Now, therefore, make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. So, you are old, you are a prophet, you are a priest. But, we want you are a judge, but we are looking for kings like the kings of the other nations who will rule over us. Everybody say, make us a king. Come on, shout it again, make us a king. Now, I started thinking... What is it about the other kings, the kings of the other nations that these people really wanted to see? Now, these people started despising their own um, kind of um, leadership. The leadership is in the, ch- in the church is supposed to be the leadership of the, the priest and the prophet and the judge. The priest, the prophet, the judge, and people like that. But the people said, we don't want a prophet, we don't want a priest, we don't want a judge, we want a king. Everybody say a king. I wish I was in a pastor's meeting to teach this well. But because normally there are pastors who will be listening online, I would teach it as if I'm in a pastor's seminar. And just believe God that for those of you who will become pastors in the future, this thing will help you. Yesterday I spent some time around 1am and I was meditating over this. What is it about the kings of other nations that these people wanted? The first thing is power. The second thing is prosperity. And the third thing is prominence or popularity. You will not see these words in your book, just as a caution. Everybody say power. These people have seen powerful kings. I'm talking about intellectually powerful and talking about kings who were spiritually powerful so ahab comes to the throne and ahab wants to be powerful so ahab does not mind Dabbling in the occult and dealing with the spirits of Jezebel in order to have some kind of spiritual power. So some of it is intellectual power. Some of it is spiritual power. Some of it is earthly power. Some of it is earthly knowledge. They just wanted leadership who were powerful. Everybody say power. And sometimes it is political power. So they just wanted a leader who was powerful. They are saying, you know what, Samuel, you are not powerful enough. Your sons are not powerful enough. We want leaders that are powerful. We want a leader who is so powerful in terms of military power that he can sit on a horse and lead us to a battle and fight wars. So the bible talks about the season in which kings go to war so they now wanted a king who could lead them into battle a king who could fight their war for them they said that is the kind of leader we are looking for and ladies and gentlemen when you come to the church in the modern day church the five-fold ministry of the apostle and the pastor and the and the prophet and the teacher and the evangelist these are supposed to be the leaders that god has given to the church but if you look at the church today Sometimes we are not satisfied with the kind of leader God has given to us. We want leaders who are like leaders of the world. Intellectual power. So you can sit in church and your pastor is not smart enough for you. The person is not intellectually powerful enough for you. You want a leader who is intellectually powerful. I have met pastors and they tell me, I'm going to study maybe law. The person is about 40 years old. I'm going to study law. 45 years old. I'm going to study something on administration. I'm going to study something on business, something. And I'm like, why are you going to do it? They say, well, I'm sitting in a church. The people don't respect me. So me, too. I must get a first degree and I must get a master's degree so that they can respect me. You are thinking like the world. You are thinking like the world. So. Now, the Bible said when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and took notice of them that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they said, these men have been with Christ. Listen, we have come to the place in the kingdom where knowledge is becoming more important than holiness. And the thing that caused the the, the fall in the garden of Eden was knowledge. He said, the day you eat of this tree, you will become like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And the Bible said, and when they ate it, their eyes were open." I've seen, you know, intellectual knowledge. They want to be intellectually powerful. But the area of knowledge a pastor should have is the scriptures. Do you notice that these days, you can listen to many pastors and the truth is that we cannot even quote the scriptures. You scarcely see a pastor who can line up, up about seven scriptures. Listen, the Abu Bako type of pre-Christians and pastors have left the church. They don't exist. How many of you remember Reverend Abu Baku? The man I brought here who could recite whole chapters of scripture. That annotated Bible. That man, they put him in prison. By the time he came out, he could memorize, he could recite the whole of the Bible. You see the Bishop Kakrabadian type of pastor who can just recite scriptures. Christians these days are not, they are not enticed by by knowledge. I remember these days, when those days when in the church, you know, everything was motivational. Everybody wanted to show how much knowledge they had. Apart from the physical knowledge. You know, I was telling somebody, I don't know um, how many days ago, I said, I'm sitting down, I'm, I'm grown now. I said, if I know what I know today, I would have become a better pastor. My first mistake was, I went and studied pharmacy instead of theology. When I now came out of pharmacy school, instead of by the age of 30, moving straight into working on my theology. I continued preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. Then I finally hit the age of about 45. Then I wanted to now go and do the theology. Because I realized I was writing books. I have the revelation, but I didn't have the Bible school qualification to back everything I was doing. You know, I, I said all these no- things were knowledge which were not important. So I now consulted some Bible schools and I consulted some very good friends of mine like Dr. Menso Table co. And I said, I want to do masters in theology. All of them told me that I must go and do masters. I must go and do bachelors in theology first before I can do the masters. That vision was aborted. Today, I have written 93 books. But wait, all these ninety-three books I have written. I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur writer on the things of the Bible. That means if they take any of these my books to a reputable Bible school and they want to adopt it as a textbook, the first of what of all want to find out has he got a bachelor's in theology? No. Masters in theology? No. Doctorate in theology? The answer is no. I remember years ago I was teaching in a certain school and a woman prophesied on me. I see Bible dictionaries and commentaries in this man's spirit. Now the truth is that by the revelation of the Holy Ghost, I could write a kind of annotated Bible or a kind of a commentary. But if I do it academically, it will not qualify to go into institutions. So I'm telling myself, who when I finished the first degree and came out, I should have started pursuing knowledge. Of the bible go go do to, go do my bachelor's in the in the theology go do my master's go do the doctorate even the time i knew it around the age of 45. if i was in accra i could have done it because in accra you can be pastoring and you combine it to some trinity college kind of thing but but in bogatanga we don't have things like that so i was not stuck i couldn't do it to today and now i want to tell you it's too late samuel was old didn't say i'm old. i said somewhere so you know what ladies and gentlemen sometimes we just want to be like the world we want leaders like the world knowledge then power we want leaders like the world so today the church people also they want a pastor who is powerful like a fetish priest